0: Well, good morning. I'm sure glad you could be with us here this morning. When you came in, there were some bulletins on your chairs. we got a few things I'd just like to bring up, some things that are on there, some that aren't. So just take a quick look through there. Um, worship this morning. Again, I just want to say thank you for your giving. If you've got any year-end giving, we sure want to make sure you've got the ability to to uh, take care of that this to this day, um, we have offering baskets at the front and the back of the building actually we 're going to convert over to nicer looking boxes where the garbage can thing can kind of go away probably anytime. I know yeah, I get it, I get it, but it, it served its purpose so uh, we've got some some boxes coming for that so um, again, just want to say thanks for your giving you 've been very faithful this year. There um, are folks who have sent money in we just really appreciate it so much. A uh, few things that are going on we have uh, um, we're going to begin our Celebrate Recovery program in January. We've been putting that together. So on Tuesday the 29th, we're actually going to have a, uh, a Celebrate Recovery open house. Uh, we're going to have kind of a, uh, we'll have a program, but basically it's about getting to know the folks, getting to know kind of what the direction is, what the purpose is of Celebrate Recovery. And then we'll have a brief testimony time and just want to, share with you what Celebrate Recovery is all about. So that'll be Tuesday night uh, from 6.30 to 8. If you need to bug on out after part of it, I understand that. But please avail yourself. And you, I would say, you know, if if you think to yourself, well, you know, I don't have a drug or an alcohol problem. That's not what Celebrate Recovery is all about. Celebrate Recovery is hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I mean, all of us deal with that And the very first Step that we deal with is denial, and it turns out that most of us deny. We like to deny that we have any problems at all. So I just want to encourage you to come out and be a part of that. I, I am uh, encouraged by Scott in his testimony all the time. He said, "You know, I've been a part of a, been a Christian for a long, long time." And man, I think everybody needs to go through this. So I would just encourage you to come out and be a part of that. Um, next, um, on New Year's Eve. I don't see it on here. Maybe oh, it's because I didn't look at it. Um, New Year's Eve. We're gonna have a get together at eight o'clock. Come. We're gonna have some tables set up, some games. You wanna bring some snacks? A little. Uh, I don't know. Whatever you wanna bring. If you want got some leftover Chex Mix, or if you've got some, some uh, whatever you wanna bring. Uh, meatballs, pizza. I, just come. We're going to gather together. We're going to play games. We're going to have a, a, just a night of, of fellowship. So, again, Tuesday, January 5th, we're going to begin our celebrate recovery program on a on a regular basis. Saturday the second, um, it's not in the bulletin, but Saturday the second, we're going to undecorate, if you will, take down some of the holiday decorations and kind of convert things back over. So, just want to encourage you. We could really use some help um, Saturday. Uh, January second at nine o'clock in the morning, we're going to get together at nine o'clock and we're going to undecorate the church. So if you could be a part of that, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, also, we are still doing our family information form. It's just a way to be able to make sure we get contact for everybody who considers Christian Fellowship their home church. Um, so, and I'm sure there's a way to do it online for those of you who are joining us online. Amen. That's good. How is was uh, Christmas for you? How's 2020 Christmas? Everybody get through that, make it through that okay? Christmas all right? Everything you expected? Everything you anticipated? And more. more. Some say and more. Others are shaking their head. Nope. Not good. For most of us, Christmas, at least at some point, was different than normal. My wife and I began a tradition 30 plus, I'll just say it that, 30 plus years ago. Before we got married, we uh, Annette wanted to start a Christmas tradition. And I'm like, all right, that, that works, whatever you want. And so we went and we started doing breakfast, Christmas Eve breakfast together. And that went along for, it was a year before we got married. And then after we got married, we would come, we lived in Hibbing at the time, we would come here for Christmas, and so that Christmas Eve morning, that first Christmas Eve morning after we were married, we we decided we were going to go out for Christmas Eve breakfast, and we did that, and then the second year, we decided we were going to go out for Christmas Eve breakfast, and we did that, and her sister's like, where are you going? So we're going for breakfast, well, can we come along? Sure, second year, third year, whatever it was, well, the next thing you know, everybody's getting together for Christmas Eve, we're going out and so the next thing you know, we've got to reserve like a section, a room at the, at the uh, restaurant. And I think we've been upwards of 30 people, 25, 30 people on a fairly regular basis for with kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews. And, and this year we couldn't do that. So Christmas was different for us. It turns out this year it was even better. We went and we, we ordered all the food from the 59er. Thank you, folks. Appreciate it. There's a little plug for the 59er. We ordered our food from the 59er. We brought it all over here, and all of us, 30 of us or so, gathered together over here. We all ate at the same time. Nobody's breakfast got lost. Nobody's breakfast was miscooked. All the kids had food immediately. It was a great time of fellowship. We, we were able to make, I don't know, lemons out of lemonade. It was different. It was a good thing. Christmas this year has just been a little different. Normally when Christmas is over, we expect to go back to some kind of normalcy, if you will, in our life. Christmas is a different season, whatever normal might look like in your life. But here we are in 2020, and as we head towards the new year, it seems like what what's normal? What are we gonna, What's going to change? Are we going to go back to what it's been for the last eight or nine months? You know, what's normal? The other day I went to buy gasoline, uh, pumped my gas, went in, and I was in line, and the guy in front of me um, was talking to the cashier, and said, well, you know, you have a great Christmas. And the cashier was like, I cannot wait for Christmas to be done. Can't wait. Get it done with. And part of me thought, That's not good. I mean, Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. And you can't wait to get it done with. That's kind of a tough deal. This year, as with many years, I think people celebrate Christmas without Christ. I was actually in a store a few years ago looking at Christmas cards and this gal was talking to her friend and she's like, I just hate all these Christmas cards. They're just all so boring. I mean, they're, they're all the same and she looks at her and she actually says this. She looks at her and she says, what does Jesus have to do with Christmas anyhow? Everything? Everything? Like what, like, what does oxygen have to do with breathing anyhow? That's a, that's a definition of, of celebrating. That's a picture of celebrating Christmas without celebrating Christ. You're missing the entire point of it all. We're going through the motions. And quite honestly, I mean, let's be honest. If you don't have Jesus in your life, that's kind of true, isn't it? What are we getting together for? I'm spending money, doling it out, giving gifts for no reason at all. It's kind of true. See, that's the way I feel about it too. For those folks, you know the birth of Jesus is maybe mentioned in a Christmas card or in a Christmas carol and they've totally forgotten and ignored what Christmas is all about. Folks, we have something special. I was so encouraged the other night at our Christmas Eve service to have 130, 140 people here. This whole side of the fellowship hall was full. That side was about full. It was so encouraging to have people come and to have people eager to come out and just celebrate Christ without being. Christ Some people look, we have to understand this. This is the world we live in. Some people see Christmas just as a story. It's a great place to put a Grinch. You know, it's it's just a story. It's like an Easter bunny. It's Santa Claus. It just doesn't mean a whole lot. I hope that this Christmas season you've taken the time with your family, taken time with your friends to say, you know what, it is about Christ. And if you haven't done that, do it. It's not too late. Remember what Christmas is about. For many, for many people, Christmas is just a, an excuse for excess instead of an opportunity to hear about, to think about, to ponder who Jesus is and what he was about. Retailers love Christmas and Easter holidays. It's December 27th, and I'm sure if you go into some stores right now, you're going to start seeing Valentine's Day and Easter eggs, right? And make that change. It's going to happen instantly. Christmas is done. It's gone away. Maybe it's done at your house. Maybe you've put the tree, and taken the tree down already. Maybe, uh, maybe you've got an empty turkey carcass sitting in your, in your refrigerator. You just can't wait to get that thing done with. Maybe you're going to have turkey sandwiches left over today, and that's the end of it. How was Christmas? For you. What do we walk away with this Christmas season? Do we let the, the pandemic and the lack of toilet paper and the, the too much rioting, and do we let all that impact our lives? Or do we go for the joy? Was it what we expected? Was it more? Was it less? Has the excitement passed? Are we going to go back to normal? I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about going back to normal. And then I thought to myself, I wonder what it was like for Mary and Joseph after Christmas. Is there such a thing as after Christmas for Mary and Joseph? I mean, it wasn't like they got to put full Jesus up and put the nativity scene in a box and it goes away for another year, right? And they took Christmas home with them. Right? Think about it. Think about it. We preach all the way. We preach two, three, four weeks leading up to Christmas. Christmas is done. Start preaching about New Year's. I'm guilty. I've done it. What happened after Jesus was born? Mary and Joseph, again, they don't just get to fold it up and walk away. We read about the star and the shepherds and the angel. We talk on Christmas Eve about all this. And it's all great. But if you think that our Christmas was busy, there's nothing compared to Mary and Joseph's Christmas, right? I don't know why I spent so much time thinking about this this past week. But this must have been unbelievable time for Mary and Joseph. They had to make that journey to Bethlehem. And it wasn't like just a little winter getaway. Hey, let's go to the hotel for the weekend. They walked, either walked or rode donkey or on a cart. Nine months pregnant, right? So during the best of times, this wouldn't have been good. She's nine months pregnant. Over 70 miles as the crow flies. They figured that by road it was 90 miles. Anybody up for a 90-mile walk? Just because you got to go 90 miles, and they were going to pay taxes. How about that? It's not even 90 miles to go and enjoy doing what you're going to do. It's 90 miles so that somebody can count you and you can pay taxes. Merry Christmas. And then while she's there, we read that the time came for her to be delivered. And Bethlehem was probably, this was during what they call the Feast of Trumpets, so it was probably as busy as, as it ever gets and they didn't you know we're talking millennia before telephones and cell phones thousands of years before they couldn't call ahead they couldn't plan and there's no way to to you know get a room make sure you got a room you just show up and see if you can find a place how many of us would we don't even want to travel that way today oh let's just drive as far as we can drive and see where we end up some people do that but not many Mary gives birth in a stable. There's no doctor. There's no midwife. There's no painkillers. There's no gas. There's no oxygen. Well, there's animals, so maybe there's a little gas. The first Christmas, the most important Christmas, really, in the entire history of humanity and it was the birth of Christ. It was an event that changed the entire world's relationship with God. It's a picture of Emmanuel. It's a picture of God with us. That's what that first Christmas was about. And then unexpected guests arrived. It's more than likely just Mary and Joseph there. Zoe sent me a song This uh, just before Christmas. I don't recall the the name of it, but it said it's not a silent night. It wasn't a silent night. There's Mary in a stable. Ladies, how many of you went through the birthing process and it was just a silent, peaceful night? Right? Not most of you. There was... Blood. It was a mess. There was, it was the was birth. It was a real deal. And then guests show up. Shepherds turn up. And that day had not been normal for them either. But what happens afterwards? I mean, angels appear to these guys announcing the birth of Jesus. Shepherds just out in the field, the, the, the lowest of the lows. I mean, these were the stinky guys who came into town because they'd been hanging out with sheep for months. Nobody wanted them around. They come and they see this baby who's going to change the world. And then we see in nativity scenes like this wise men show up. That's probably not really the way it happened. We expect that Jesus was probably about two years old when the wise men showed up. And we look at that, we'll see that in a little bit because of what took place historically after that. But then wise men come from the east, Magi they're called, and they came and they worshiped Jesus and they brought gifts with them. This is what was going on in Mary and Joseph's life. Things were different When Jesus came into their life, first of all, when Jesus came into their life, things changed. Now that's true of any baby. Caleb and Joanna just had a baby. I'll guarantee you, life is different once that baby comes into your life. Life has changed then. But it changed even more, I think, for Mary and Joseph. The Gospel of Matthew records the difficulties that happened after that first Christmas. Normal life for Mary and Joseph No such thing as normal anymore. Matthew records the tears and the fears, the pain and the problem. And it's not part of any Christmas card that you'll ever find. You won't look and hear any Christmas carols that talk about the pain afterwards. Most churches, like I said, we spend weeks preaching about what happened leading up to Christmas, but we don't talk about what happened afterwards. Maybe we talk about the 12 days of Christmas, but we don't generally talk about those couple of years. I don't think in all my, my years of preaching that I've ever really talked about that thing that took place with Mary and Joseph after the birth of Jesus. We just move right on. I shared before Christmas that Joseph was a, a, a critical part of, of the whole Christmas process, and yet there's not a word in Scripture that you can quote Joseph. doesn't happen. And we see that Luke, where we get most of the Christmas story, this is Luke's rendition of what happens really from the time Jesus was born until 12 years later in Luke chapter 2, verses 39 and 40. He kind of sums up that, that period of time. He says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they remained in Galilee. They returned to Galilee, to their own hometown of Nazareth, and a child grew up and became strong was filled with wisdom and grace of God. And the grace of God was on him. That's all you hear. But listen to what Matthew says. Matthew gives us some pictures of what took place, what happened with Mary and Joseph. And I think there's lessons here. It's not just Matthew chapter two. We're going to eventually read that most of that chapter from verse 13 on to 23, but Matthew chapter two verses thirteen uh, through fifteen. When the angel, ha- or when they had gone, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and he took the child and his mother. During the night they left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. So it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. Interesting passage of scripture. When they left, who is he talking about? Who's they? They is the Magi. The Magi had just been there. When they left, Joseph goes to bed and he has a dream. Now he's had dreams before. He knows what God's speaking to him. He has this dream, and in this dream God says, get up, Herod's going to kill the baby. Get up, take them to Egypt. So I thought, oh, I'm going to find out. I Googled, how far is it from Nazareth to Egypt? Well, you've got to make sure that you don't put in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, first of all, because <laughs> it's a lot longer. Okay? And we're not sure where they went to in Egypt, but everything we looked at went someplace between 100 and 500 miles. And Joseph, did, guess what Joseph did? He's got this dream that says, get up and go. Guess what he did? He got up and went. He got up and he went. He left with Mary that night from what it appears. He left with her immediately. And as we read, I'll just reread the end of it. Where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said Through the prophet out of Egypt, I am calling my son. I'm calling you out of Egypt. I'm going to call my son, Jesus, out of Egypt. There was a word in the old scrolls. It was not the Bible yet at this point, but the scrolls of the Old Testament. There was a word that said Jesus, God's son, was going to be in Egypt. Now, Joseph had a dream. And in that dream, God tells him, I need you to get up and move. So he gets up and he goes. He knows the voice of the Lord. He's had these dreams before. He's experienced this before. Look For us today, how many times do we hear God saying, I need you to do, I want you to step out, I want you to believe, I want you to move, and we go, I'm not really sure. Lots of times, right? I need this to stop in your life. I Go back. I will always... I remember this is... You just deal with this as you want to deal with it, okay? I remember my aunt, after she became a Christian, puffing on a cigarette one day, just smoking away. And, and I had mentioned something to her about giving up smoking. And she's like, when God wants to take it away from me, God will take it away from me. I'm like, you know... I think he does. The Bible says, don't you know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? How many of you are going to walk in here today? It's actually happened to me one time. I'm standing in church in Hibbing and some guy comes in and we're talking away and he pulls out a pack of cigarettes and he lights up the smoke and the sanctuary. And I'm like, hey, do you mind? Oh, gee whiz, I forgot I was in church. Most of you wouldn't light up. Even if you light up, you wouldn't light up in church, right? But here we are, a temple of the Holy Spirit, And you're telling me if God wants you to stop, I I tell you what, God wants you to stop. You're killing yourself. There's no condemnation. I'm just telling you, God wants you to stop. He wants that junk out of your life. He wants to heal you, deliver you, set you free from that. I'm not sure how I got there. But I got there because Joseph obeyed. He obeyed immediately. The Bible tells us, repent And be baptized. There are people who won't get baptized. Why won't you get baptized? I'm not sure if God wants me to. He does. Repent and be baptized. He does. There's lots of things in Scripture that Scripture tells us to do. Now, here's the other side of that. Here's the flip side of that. A lot of times we see people today who get this special revelation from God, and they're going to do stuff that's not in Scripture, Matter of fact, they're going to do stuff that goes against Scripture. I know the Bible says I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do this because I feel like I need to do it. Wait a minute. Here's our guide. Joseph just didn't get up and run off. He knew God's voice. He knew what God had spoken to him, and it confirmed what was in the Scriptures. You and I, we need to step out as God calls us to do things. There are some things that you can't find chapter and verse on, Right? You can't find a chapter and verse on whether God wants you to move. You need to find counsel. We need to find other people. We need to find, okay, if God is calling me to move, he's calling me to do something, we need to to do what Scripture tells us to do and then act on it. Joseph, getting up and moving to Egypt and spending three years in Egypt with Mary and Jesus, saved his life. We read that in Scripture. Matthew's talking about the Magi. He says when they were gone, Joseph had this dream. And when he had that dream, he moved on it. He moved on it. Joseph was obedient. I think that's one of the things that we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Joseph. That's one of the lessons that we see here in this passage of Scripture in this section, after Jesus was born, after Christmas, Joseph was obedient. God told him to do things, and he did it. He didn't waste any time. He didn't wait until morning. He didn't look for plan B. He didn't try and figure out all the things that God was doing. He just obeyed. And when he obeyed, God provided. I think that's a message for us as well. If God is moving in your heart, if God's calling you to do something, Pastor Brian always used to say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He said that a lot. When God puts something on our heart to move into, he will make a way. He'll provide for it. He provided in Egypt, and God will provide for us. He provided financially for Mary and Joseph and Jesus probably with the gift of gold that the wise men brought. Herod was furious anyhow when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him because he told the wise men, come back to me, and they didn't go back to him. They went by another way. So he sent soldiers out to kill baby boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. That's why we presume that the wise men came at about the time that Jesus was a couple of years old. Mary and Joseph had left at just the right time. The land that once had enslaved Egypt, uh, Israel, which is Egypt, now was protecting the gospel. We have historical evidence about Herod. Herod was mean. He was a vicious person. Um, history says a lot about him. Uh, Caesar Augustus actually said about King Herod, it was better to be Herod's pig than his son because pigs were protected by law, and his sons were not. Herod actually had two of his own sons killed. Uh, They were strangled. Uh, One one of his wives, he had 10 wives, he had one, his favorite wife, he had her killed because he thought she was having an affair. Herod killed his 18-year-old brother-in-law because the Jews liked him better than he did. Herod also had killed his favorite wife's grandfather, And her 80-year-old uncle, who had once saved his life, he actually had his own uncle and his own mother-in-law killed. He said, well, why are you wasting time telling me this, pastor? Here's why. It's because I want you to understand that Herod was the sort of person who would go out and have babies two years old and under killed without a second thought if he thought that was a danger to his kingdom. And the wise men came and they had said to Herod, where is this king of the Jews? And he said, how long have you been following the star? And they must have said two years or so because he had every boy. Well, listen, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he learned from the Magi. You don't see that on a Christmas card too often. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Can you imagine being in a land where all the babies, one day the president or the king says, all babies two years old and under, Kill all the baby boys. Can you imagine that? We can't wrap our brain around that. And yet, that's what took place in the sun. That's why Joseph's obedience was so critical. He hears the voice of the Lord. He gets up and moves. God says, move to Egypt. He's like, all right, let's go. Because just days later, all these little baby boys were being slaughtered. That's what happened after Christmas for Mary and Joseph. We know that God's plan, it's always perfect. Nothing happens in this situation that surprises God. Even this tragedy. I can't tell you any positive that came out of that other than Joseph's obedience because I wasn't there and I don't know. But I know that God had a plan through all of that. The prophet Hosea wrote that God's son would be called out of Egypt. And after Herod's death, Joseph has another dream. And the angel speaks to him. And again, without questioning, without argument, without any problem, Joseph and Mary and Jesus head back to Nazareth. Because God had protected them. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And he said, get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up and he took the child and his mother, and they went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in another dream, He withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Christmas is done. And we kind of want things to go back to normal. But there really is no normal. Mary and Joseph, what they discovered was once they had Jesus, life had just changed. The reality for us is once we've got Christ, life just changes. It's different. It's a whole new life. Mary and Joseph experienced a whole new life with Jesus. There was no more normal. But here are some of the lessons that we can learn from the backside of the Christmas story, the rest of the story. Number one, the safest place for us to be is where God leads you. Hear me. Hear me. The safest place that you and I can be. Look, we don't know what kind of... You saw the chaos in 2020, right? Do we know what 2021 is going to be? We don't know. Is everything just going to go back to normal now? Or what is normal now? It really doesn't make any difference if we are in Christ, if we're following God. The safest place... The most fulfilling place, the most rewarding place for us to be is to be right where God wants us, right where He leads us. The wise men followed a star that led to a child. The wise men followed God's instruction in a dream and they escaped Herod's wrath. Joseph follows an angel's instruction in a dream and he escapes to Egypt. He follows God's instruction in another dream and he went to Nazareth. The safest place for you and I, the safest place where we can be, is in the center of God's will, whatever path that takes you on. God knows from before you were born where he wanted to lead you to. He's outside of the realm of time. These things don't surprise him. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the path he wants to take you down. I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm wondering, I'm guessing, I'm believing. There are some of you who have got some paths, some decisions to make in the next year. And you don't know what to do. Maybe you're here in this building, maybe you're online. I'm believing some of you have got a path to take, and you don't know what to do. You don't know what those steps are going to be. But I'm telling you, the safest place is to be where God leads you. Scripture says He's the Prince of Peace. If you don't find absolute peace in the decision, sure, there may be some, some things around you that are stressful, but you should be able to find His peace through that decision. Whether it's a new house or an old house or a new car or an old car, whether it's making this change or that change, maybe it's actually leaving the area, maybe it's moving into an area. I don't know what that's all about for you, but I know that we should be able to find God's peace through it all because he's the prince of peace. We've been through more chaos in the last year, but we should be able to find God's peace through all of that. The second thing we see in this account is that as Christians, as disciples, even as followers of God, Joseph followed God. But even as followers of God, we are not exempt from trouble. This account has lots of trouble in the story. Mary and Joseph are fleeing literally for their lives. A multitude of innocent babies we're killed by a mad king. There's, there are times, regardless of whether you're following God or not, that there's a struggle that we go through. But the beauty is, if we follow God, if we're in that place where we're in the center of His will, we can have peace through that. We can even have joy in the middle of our struggle. We can, have, we can, we can rejoice in the middle of that struggle. We're walking in his will. We're walking in his place. And I think that's part of what we see in this account. We're not going to miss out on all the struggles. But we need to trust him on that path that we take. God leads us. I believe he leads us through those problems. He leads us through those situations. He provides a way through. He gives us the strength that we need. He gives us the comfort that he needs. He's always with us. I just want to say this cuz I know I know that some of you are going through struggles right now. You're going through, you're heading into you you know it. You're heading into a struggle time and it'd be so much easier to just say, "Oh God, take me away from the make, give me give me a way out of this." But that's the same thing that Jesus prayed. He said, "If there's another way, Lord, if there's another way, God, Please deliver me from this during the, while he's in the garden. But he also said, not my will, but yours be done. I want to tell you something about your struggle. I'll tell you something about your struggle. If you'll follow Christ, if you'll remain in him, and through that darkness, you might be the only light that somebody sees in that darkness. You might be the person, you might have the joy that somebody else is looking for. In a struggle, you might be that peace. You're like, I don't want to be the peace. You need the peace. And somebody else around you may need that peace. You might be that light. Joseph and Mary, things were not easy. You have to imagine this. You have to imagine this. You've just gone on this 90-mile foot journey. While you're there, your wife has a baby. You do all the legal things you need to do. You, do, you take. You wait around so the baby can be circumcised. You present him to the priest, which is an amazing story in and of itself. You come back. You just start getting settled back into life. You have a dream. All your, all your relatives now, they're, they, they're kind of, all right, well, you got the baby. It's a good, let's go on. Let's move on from here. And also, you, you got to go. No, I got to go. Nobody knows why, but when we follow Christ, when we walk in Him, even through the struggle, you might be the peace that somebody else needs. God uses that. Third thing that we recognize in this account, as we look at it, the third thing that stuck out to me is that God ultimately is in control. We're not. We don't have a way to control the world around us. That's another step that we realize as we look through celebrate recovery is that we don't really do a very good job of controlling our life. When we try, we usually find ourselves pretty far off track. But we can always feel safe when we're living in God's will, walking according to His word, walking according to His will. Doesn't mean we're going to be life is going to be trouble-free. Doesn't mean that bad things won't happen around us and maybe even happen to us. But God is in control. Everything happened in that Christmas story to f- fulfill prophecy. It fulfilled prophecy. Bad things took place. And this is where I want to state that I believe prophetically God was outside of the realm of time. He knew what was going to take place. He revealed that prophetically. He knew he didn't cause it to happen. He knew it was going to happen. I found this little analogy, this little comparison. I want to close with this. If he is in our lives, then in our story, every step of the way, then he's in control. We need to understand that the world can bring us some pleasure, but there are some things that only God can bring. The world can give you advice, but only God can give you direction. The world can give you a high, but only God can give you joy. The world can give you a temporary hug, but only God can wrap his arms around you and give you peace. The world can give you a few moments of happiness, but only God can give you joy. Scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. At the end of the Christmas story, at the end of this glorious scene, the thing that we celebrate, Mary and Joseph went through Several years of struggle and torment, right up to the point of Jesus being crucified. The Bible says that Mary watched and she pondered those things in her heart. Following Jesus doesn't mean that life is going to go easy. But if we will remain in Him, then He gets to show His light and His life through us. Amen? God, I just thank you for each person here. I thank you for each person who's watching us online. Lord, I pray today that we'd grab a hold of that truth. We celebrate Christmas, and it's great. It's wonderful because we're celebrating our peace. We're celebrating our life. We're celebrating our salvation. We're celebrating the only hope that we have. But immediately following that, God, We read of the troubles that Mary and Joseph went through and they experienced, and it's true of us. It's true of us. We find the joy, we find the hope, we find the life, and immediately following that, there's troubles. Does it mean that this God thing doesn't work? No, what it means is that we can have joy and we can have life and we can have hope in the middle of those troubles. We can walk in your peace, we can walk in your love, we can walk in your light, we can actually be a light in the middle of That struggle, God. So, Lord, I pray for each person here that we would remember that there's more to the story of Christmas than what we celebrate on December 25th. In fact, the rest of the story is that we get to live in that peace that Jesus brought. We get to live reconciled to God because that baby came. Might be struggles. 2020 might not have gone the way we expected. Christmas might not have been all we anticipated or hoped for. But you're there through it all. And you're going to walk through this life with us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day. Hope to see you Christmas Eve night. New Year's Eve night. (laughs) God bless you. Have a great day. And come on Tuesday night as well for our Celebrate Recovery. So have a great day.